0: This morning, this is going to be an unusual service, so I need to give everybody some some information. As you probably know, Frankie and Brittany had their twins this week, so if you're guests with us today, we want to let you know we have a worship leader who's absent, and I'm so thankful and, and really am thankful for Talbert and all the crew that comes, and they're stepping up to lead worship for us this uh, morning. But. This is, again, an unusual service. Number one, Frankie, our worship leader, is out. And we're going to try to put a picture if you have. Carson, do you have a picture that I sent you of Frankie? Yes. Well,
1: so there it is. We're going to praise the Lord for twins coming into our church, Levi and Luca. So thank you, guys. That's a great picture. And uh, just pray for
0: safety for them. And um, we're just going to look forward to getting a chance to meet those twins. When the doctors let them come to church, so we're excited about that. But again, Frankie is out, so this is um, not a normal worship uh, crew on on the stage. Also, we've got Deacon election going on, and I want to encourage you to uh, be aware of that. So I need to, uh, I don't have a copy of that ballot, Eddie, but I I told Eddie that we were going to write a little note here, and I want to encourage you. So you go ahead and fill that out while we're watching this video that's going to start in just a second of our baptisms. But if you have a deacon election ballot, just please look at it for a second. Deacons serve as servant leaders and as examples of a fully devoted follower of Christ. This coming church year, our church requires five deacons to come on board. And we have five men that have agreed to serve. And their names are Forrest Allen, Gary Black, Jim Ahern, Jerry Morris, and Scott Porter. The deacons and I are recommending you affirm all five of these. However, you may choose to circle individuals on the ballot if you would like. Please remember, only church members may vote today. And all ballots must be signed for that reason. And so I pray God would strengthen Ridgecrest in our new church years. We're about to start the first of September. That we would glorify Him and fulfill our Acts 1-8 commission that He's given us. The Lord said, You shall be my witnesses. And we want to embrace that as a church and as deacons and as the leadership of the church. And we love you, and so I'm going to ask you to fill those out. And again, if you're a member, you need to sign it so that we can count your ballot. Once you're finished with that, if you'll fold it together in just a moment, two men are going to walk around. And Eddie's going to have a couple of deacons that would we'll take these up in just a moment. And while you're doing that, I want to give you a couple of extra add-on announcements that are very important. Tonight, we are having Brad's going away thank you and honoring Brad and Ashley Hamilton And so we want to encourage you we got plenty of food to come out and have a cookout now this cookout is going to be COVID safe so you're not going to be serving yourselves and having to do the you know like a buffet style we're going to have and, and but Betty and Jimmy Allen and their team is going to have it all set up with safe procedures so all you have to do is walk down the aisle down here And pick up your plate, and it will be totally safe. And so we want to encourage you to come tonight. We're going to have a time of prayer and blessing on their family at between 5 and about 5.15. And we'll eat a little bit after 5.15. And so come tonight. But we also want to encourage you to remember to give them gift cards. And then a going away blessing. So if you have those today, you can turn them in. There's a table that is set up in the back with a basket back there. But also you can bring those tonight, or of course you can turn those in later this week to our church office. So I encourage you to do that. And just be generous and say thank you so much to the Hamiltons for all their service. And they've been here almost eight years, so we want to honor them tonight. Also, Brad's going to speak at the end of the service. So I was telling some guests that are here today that this is not a very typical service. It's going to be a great service, but it's not a typical service. Because we have so many different things going on than we normally do. And one of those is letting Brad have a time at the end of the service. So I'm going to, believe it or not, cut my sermon down to a shorter version of it today. Also, I wanted to uh, give you a couple more announcements that have just kind of come, come up in the last few days. We're, we're selling these, these Boston butts for Labor Day, not for the church to, you know, really just be selling Boston butts, but to raise funds for Caring Days and for our benevolence. Fund for the church, so if you haven't purchased one of those, we're down a little bit in what we normally sell, so we want to boost those up, so if you haven't gotten one, maybe get one for somebody else, and be aware of that, Betty Allen is at a table back here in the back, she's taking the orders for those, you got a pre-order, you pick them up on, I think it's the 4th of September, Betty, maybe, whatever you yeah, 4th of September? And so uh, we need to do that just so that we have a good offering to give you a caring day. So if you haven't participated, consider doing that. And also I want to, uh, I tell you church, we need some more folks to sign up to be nursery workers. Um, Tiffany asked me to just to remind you that that's a vital need of our church. I really would like for it to be some of the ladies that aren't, that aren't mothers so that they can have a time to be in here to focus and recharge their batteries. So if you um, have not signed up to be a nursery worker and you feel that you want to get some information about that from Tiffany, she needs some help in that area. We're really not seeing the support in our nursery workers that we need for the next six months. So let's make that a matter of prayer and priority for our our people in the church. All right. I want to um, show you this video, so go ahead and... I'm gonna ask Eddie turn the lights off for me, and uh, in just a moment, Romy. It's a, it's kind of a long video, but it's a good video. We had five people get baptized last Sunday, and we praise God for it. And so, let's just thank the Lord for that. God, just watch this video. This is gonna kick us off, and we're pressing on, getting ready for our new church year. It's what we want to see today. We're, let's uh, all stand up. My praise band, come up. Let's praise the Lord for He is good. And I want to pray for you right now and we'll get started. God, we love You so much. You've already blessed us so much today by letting us see the changed lives that You are taking place in people in this community and this church family. Lord, I pray You continue for Your glory and honor to be blessed today. Lord, speak to hearts and just begin to move amongst us now, Lord. You're worthy to be praised and we want to give You that right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
2: Give him the words that we need to hear, Father. And Father, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
1: Thank you so much, music team. You are a blessing to us.
0: Please open God's holy scriptures to Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. If you're a guest today, we're walking through the Book of Acts together in a sermon series. It's going to take quite a while, but that's okay because we're learning how to grow. And the sermon series is entitled "Grow." We've actually already been in a a mini sermon series called "Blood Work," and it's really an examination of our spiritual health. We're imagining that we're we're having a physical, or excuse me, a spiritual exam, looking at our own lives and. We don't really have to imagine because we hear the voice of God speaking to us, telling us things that in our own life that are unhealthy. And that's why we call this uh, title of this sermon blood work. We've looked at six tests. And if you haven't seen those and you want to go back after today, I want to encourage you to remember it's always on our website to go to the sermons you miss or Facebook, that you can pick back up with those But we're going to Look at two more tests this morning of our own spiritual health. And this is a, a way not only to improve our own personal lives, but it's to give God more glory. We've already talked about why we should be thankful this morning and want to give God worship and honor and glory with our lives as Christians. So our goal is to improve our spiritual health and our goal is to improve the ability to glorify God more. And what's interesting and what's important about this whole concept is whenever your spiritual health improves and you start glorifying God more, you're just going to be happier. I mean, if you want to, and you'll see this in this text of scripture, if you want to have that overriding sense of peace in your life, which we all do, and to have a a basically a healthier life, a, a, a greater sense of well-being in our own life, the Bible teaches us. Clearly how to do it, but it's linked directly to our lives being centered upon Jesus Christ and giving thanks with a grateful heart, which is really what I mean when I say give glory to God, live for him and our own purposes. And all this is linked together and and your whole spiritual health is tied back in. And this is just a wonderful passage of scripture. It's a very uh, critical passage of scripture to understand the Christian life and what we need to be doing. Because we're keen to understand that this is given to the church, but we're looking at it as individuals. We're looking at it not as a general concept that all believers need to be aware of, but we're asking God to evaluate our own spiritual lives. We're listening to the Holy Spirit as our physician, talking to us. Because what we understand as the church at Ridgecrest is we will only be as healthy as or we are as individual believers. You can't uh, have a healthy church unless you have a bunch of healthy members. And so that's why we need to look at it not at the the body level, the corporate level of all of us together, but as individuals. I was thinking about the example of your home relative to the high winds that you experience in this Hurricane Ida. If somebody asked you, you, is your house strong? Is your house able to stand up against the winds of a a hurricane, really what they're asking you is not is your house in general strong, but they're asking you are your shingles good? Are they gonna stay attached to your home? Is your wood solid and doesn't have termite damage and rottenness? Are the bricks still vertically strong and the mortar good and is your foundation solid? That's what makes a house strong. It's the individual components of that house that makes it strong against a storm. It's the same for a church. It's, we are the, the temple of God as, as believers so that our health, our ability to be healthy is going to determine the health of the church as a whole. And so with all those things in mind is an introduction. Listen as, uh, and follow in your own copy of the scriptures as I read. And I'm going to read again verses 41 through 47 of Acts chapter 2. So then those who had received his word were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles, and all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God, And having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day. Those who were being saved. Verse 41 tells us the introduction to what it means to be healthy. And we just saw this testified on our screen. And uh, we know that the introduction to the Christian life has already been given to us this morning. It says those who received, in verse 41, those who had received his word were baptized. Jesus said to a very moral man and to a very religious man, you need to be born again. You must be born again. You know your gospel of John is this beautiful story in John chapter 3 where Nicodemus comes and he says, I'm, I'm doing my best to be good. I'm trying to follow all the rules, but I still feel like I'm broken. I feel like I lack something. And Jesus looked at him and looked in his eyes and said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And that is what is pictured here in verse 41. It was the receiving of the word of the gospel. To be born again means that you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And what he did for you at Calvary's cross is the payment for your sin. And you surrender to him your life, all of who you are, your will, in a moment, in one time, you come to Christ, and you come bowing to Him as King, as Lord, as leader of your life, and you give all of who you are to Him. And at that point, there's a point of regeneration where your sins are washed away. They are literally uh, legally paid for. Jesus said on the cross, paid in full, it's finished. All sins, past, present, and future of the believer are taken away in that one moment of time in a beautiful exchange of the death of Christ for our deserved death. That is the gospel. That is the word they received. And 3,000 of them then were baptized after that point of conversion to testify, not for salvation, but to say, I've already been saved. And again, we're calling on people today to be saved. You're not saved by baptism. You're not saved by good works. You're not saved by any other thing, but the the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and trusting in that faith. It's not in your head, it's in your heart. That is what they received and they became new creatures. The The Bible says if any person is in Christ, they're a new creation. And so today, somebody may be here today or somebody may be listening and you would say, I've never made that decision. Today is the day of salvation. Today we're... We're saying God's will for your life is to get healthy and you will die in your sins and be separated from a holy God for eternity apart from receiving Jesus Christ and His will for your life is to be saved today. And we want to see numbers added daily to this church. You can make that decision before you leave here today. And again, God's creation of you, you are here on planet earth to glorify Him. That was the design that he gave you. And so after your conversion, you've got to learn what it means to live for God. And that's what we see in verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles teaching. That was the Bible. They came to the apostles and said, we want to talk the Bible. And that's how you grow in Christ. Notice it says they were continually devoting themselves. Those are key words. Are you, as a Christian, a healthy Christian, will ask yourself, am I continually devoting myself to the Word of God? Notice it was a group. They met together. They called themselves a church. And when they met together under the apostles' teaching, this makes a statement about the importance of what we're doing right now. If you're going to be a biblical Christian, if you're going to be a healthy Christian, you've got to be making church a priority. And so I just want to spend, you know, basic health. When you go to a doctor and they tell you, let me give you some basic health issues that you need to address. You need to drink plenty of water. You need to eat right. You don't need to eat a lot of foods that are bad for you. And you need to get plenty of sleep and you need to rest and take care of yourself. Those basic health categories that all physicians will tell you to do to have good health or valid concepts for things such as getting baptized and then entering into the church through membership and regularly attending the church and regularly coming under the teaching of the Word of God from somebody who's been called to teach the Word of God. And so what I'm telling you today is some of this is very important, but it's also very simple. It's very straightforward I'm meeting a lot of Christians that are struggling in life and they just don't come to church they don't ever read the Bible and I just want to encourage you today to say these are the basics for spiritual health I mean I met people this week that told me I don't need the church that I'm a Christian but I don't need the church and I just want to meet with God in my own way a person who says, I'm a follower of Christ, should have some sort of desire to be around other Christians. They should have some desire to be a part of a church with no desire whatsoever to do that. That's a dangerous warning sign of cancer in your blood. And beyond that, it's unbiblical. And you're outside the will of God. There's no way to be a true, healthy Christian and never attend church. But you ought to be there regularly. And so this, again, is this idea that they were, in verse 42, they were together. It says they were continually devoting themselves in a community. They became a new family. That's what a church is. And they were becoming healthier. They were growing. And there was a chain reaction that took place. And this is what we talked about last Sunday, where there's a chain reaction, where when you begin to devote yourself continually to the Bible being taught in a church setting and at home when you're reading the scriptures together. A chain reaction takes place and the body begins to be invigorated. Your spiritual life then becomes a life of prayer. Not just praying for your own needs, but praying for others. Praying for people to get saved. Praying for people to be healed spiritually as well as physically. And it says that there was a renewed perspective. and We talked about this last Sunday in verse 43 and 44 in 45 where they begin to have this sense of awe the gospel that God himself would come to earth and die on the cross and it so moved them it changed their whole perspective about priorities in life, what was important. And they begin to say, hey, maybe my focus on materialism is not right. And they begin to get right in their priorities in terms of their material possessions. And they were leveraging those for the kingdom Advanced. That was part of what we talked about last Sunday. And it brings us to our new material for the day. And I want to introduce you to two more tests this morning. And again, we're looking at, in totality here, the big pictures. There's ten tests for spiritual health. And for improving your spiritual health and glorifying God with your life. And we've again looked at six. We'll look at seven and eight now. And they come out of verse 46 in the very first phrase of 47. I'll read verse 46 one more time. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God. If I had to summarize verse 46 with one word that one word would be the word relationships relationships and again there's a chain reaction that takes place a person is saved they have a desire to get the Bible to read it and to get with other Christians and be taught it and God begins to give them a vision for the world's lostness they begin to pray It begins to affect their their sense of how they look at the whole world. And they're they're at all that their sins have been forgiven. And they begin to want to give back materially. And out of all that comes this idea that they want to to get together with other believers. And be around other Christians and have relationships with them. And to grow in Christ and not be the same. To, To say, and we've talked about this. I want to. Do you, do you want to grow spiritually? Are you willing to expose yourself to the voice of God in the Word of God through preaching, through teaching? And are you willing to change? That's what God is wanting us to do. Because I keep coming back to this: a doctor can tell you all day long what your spirit, what your physical problems are when you're sitting in that examination room. But until you decide to do something about your own lifestyle, nothing's going to change, and you're not going to get healthier. I suspect doctors get frustrated because they can see, like, this is what a person needs to do to get healthier, but that person won't actually do what the doctor's telling them. So today we have to come with that mentality and that willingness, that attitude that I want to change. Because I understand God is working in my best self-interest, that God loves me, that God gave himself for me, through the, the Son of God, and therefore I, he's, He loves me and He is acting in my best self-interest. And that's what these believers understood. They understood that all of this was a, a, an amazing privilege to be a Christian, and therefore they were wanting to grow, and they had these desires to get with other believers, and it was not hard for them to be in church or Living out the Christian experience. And so verse 46 tells us a lot about these relationships. And it, 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 it pricks our heart today because it reminds us of what we need to be doing to be spiritually healthy. Notice in verse 46, day by day. Christianity in the South is notoriously, sub, it's, it's a thing you do on Sundays, but it doesn't impact the rest of your life. Brad and I have talked a lot about this phrase, cultural Christianity. Cultural Christianity is when you go to church, you sit in a pew or you sit in a chair you check the box off and you leave and you don't even remember what the sermon was about. You don't think about God much for the rest of the week unless you have a prayer need. Then you might begin to pray because you've got some kind of need in your own life. But your Christianity and what Christ did for you, it's not affecting your day-to-day decisions, your priorities, your way to look at the world. That's cultural Christianity. These people had a day-by-day Christianity. They couldn't get enough of the Holy Spirit and of growing. It says they were continuing. Day-by-day, the Christian life is a continuing experience. It's not a one time religious event. You know, I meet mean, people, I say, Have you, tell me about your faith with Christ. And they say, You know, I got baptized when I was a kid. Or I, I walked the aisle. That's the famous Southern Baptist way to get saved. I walked an aisle. But they don't ever go to church. It has no impact. There's no continuation. Continuing. This is the Christian life. Devoting themselves. And that should. Continue with, excuse me, with one mind in the temple. There's unity here. Unity around a, spe- a specific thing. Breaking the bread. And again, this breaking the bread phrase is a way to talk about what Jesus has done. It was a picture of the, the brokenness of Christ in the Lord's Supper. So the breaking of the bread is a picture of the gospel. They were centered in meaning and unified. They had one mind about the priority of the gospel. The message of salvation and the way that they could share that and glorify God by doing that. And they were being intentional. They were doing it at two different levels. They were doing it in the temple and it says they were doing it in homes. And they were cultivating this day by day relationship and it brings us to a seventh test. Here's our seventh test of spiritual health. Test number seven. You are intentionally investing time and energy during the week to cultivate relationships of mutual support within this local church of Ridgecrest. We'll break it down, because this is, flat, this is applied right out of this text right here. These people were intentional. You know, the hope to grow, like I, I just wish I'll grow in Christ, was, is not a strategy. They were being intentional. They were doing things. They were prioritizing their schedule in such a way that it was an investment of their time and their energy during the week. I'm going to tell you something. I'm just kind of hardcore on something. We are going to do what we want to do. You know, Unless we're physically unable, unless there's a sickness involved, people are going to do what they want to do. So if you want to be at church, again, assuming we're not physically limited by health or other limitations outside our control such as work, or such as commitments to a family to care for them, or something along those lines. I'm talking about people staying home to do other things. And it's not just coming to church. It's prioritizing time during the week to do things that are going to cultivate your growth. Cultivation is a good word because it's a farming word. If you know any farmers, you know they're hard workers. If you know um, anybody that tries to have a, a garden... You know, the biggest problem you have is it's just a lot of work. You have to constantly be getting weeds out of the garden. You have to constantly be putting something on the, the soil or the plants, fertilizer, lime. You have to constantly be watching for pests and using all kinds of time and energy to cultivate that garden. That's the kind of approach that we need to take to relationships with other believers. And it needs to be mutual so that it's not just a person doing it uh, to get. And if you look at what was happening here, they were meeting on two different levels. They were meeting corporately in the temple, which is what we're doing right here. This is a 2,000 year old tradition. And it links us directly to the very first church that was ever created by the Holy Spirit. And it's a sacred thing to meet, to be Able to come under the apostles' teaching. We are now under the apostles' teaching. Meeting together corporately. The church body meeting. Becoming the temple as people together. Centered around the gospel. Putting an emphasis on the sacrifice of Christ. As the only way to salvation. Not being ashamed of the gospel. This is a 2,000 year old tradition. And our role is to simply pass it on to be faithful in the race that we're running today, and pass that tradition on. And it takes intentionality. It takes, again, investing time and prioritizing our schedule. And it teaches us that just coming to the big church is not going to be enough. There's more to it than that. And I just want to, I'm going to give you a simple, some simple tips for biblical parenting. And the first is to make church attendance a a, a priority. So here's what I I came up with this. A is for attendance. This is the ABCs of parenting. ABCs of parenting. Attendance is a priority. A is for attendance. B is for the Bible. When you go home, I'm talking to parents, like young parents that have children, and you're trying to raise them upright. B is for the Bible. The Bible needs to be visible, and you need to be reading it in, in front of your kids and your grandkids. And see, is for consistency. And what I mean by that is you've got to be the same when you leave here as you are when you're here. So if you completely blow off everything that you're supposed to be doing as a Christian, and people around you, children and grandchildren, see that, you're going to undermine their desire to be a believer and to want to come to church. And so I just want to encourage you to realize that there's some very simple things that you can be doing because I've been dealing with some people outside this church. I'm, I'm a, it's not a church family issue with Ridgecrest, but I've been dealing with some people that I know that need some help outside our church family. And they're, they're Christians, and their family is falling apart, and they're dealing with drug addiction, and their kids are dealing with all kinds of depression and issues like that. And they don't go to church, and they don't read the Bible. And they don't live out the Christian life at home. And I'm saying, let's just get spiritually healthy on the basics. Find a, one of the 50 Southern Baptist churches within five miles of your house and, and, and go to it unless you are unable to go because of your health. Be disciplined about going to church. Attendance is the entering part. Take the Bible and start reading it 10 minutes a day and let your kids see that what the Bible says is important and live it out consistently so that you're not a two-faced person. And big church is important, but there's more to the Christian experience. You've got to put yourself around other believers. You can't just sit in a chair and leave and not have any interaction with other people. So we need big church like this. We need little church as well. And again, this is a beautiful picture of what we do here at Ridgecrest every Sunday. We meet in small groups before this service. And as soon as the COVID numbers go away and go down and Delta goes away and we pray that it will be soon. We're asking God for mercy so that we can start doing our fall and spring sessions in people's homes. I'm excited about the fact we're going to be imitating this very first church by going into people's homes and having meals together, and meeting in small groups. And so we have life groups, you know, Sunday school classes, we call them life groups. We have opportunities in the future for you to get involved in having a meal with somebody. And to me, that's exciting because I can read what they were doing, and we're basically doing the same thing, in it... There's something special about eating with somebody and having that meal with somebody. It it's, does something more than just having a meal. And all these things, they really beg the question, how are you doing? How, are, how, are, how am I doing? And I always want to put myself in here. How are we doing together? But how are we doing individually on intentionally investing time and energy in relationships that are not just for ourselves but for others? in small groups as well as this setting here. So obviously I'm, I'm begging you to make this attendance in here faith, faithful. Because every sermon builds on the previous sermon and they make more sense when you've already heard what you heard last week because we're walking through the book together. But at the same token, we need those small groups. One, one sitting was not enough for them. It wasn't just meeting in the temple. They needed the small groups. You need a life group. And one reason you need the life groups are because our church, when you go into, like, the area of about 100 people in a church, if you don't have a small group, you're just not going to get to know anybody hardly. And on top of that, you're not going to have people around you that are praying for you. And you're not going to have the ability to get to pray for other people. And so, again, I'm basically here's where we're heading. I'm laying, I'm cultivating the ground because we're about to put a huge emphasis on small groups. We're going to drive home the need for every person who regularly attends this church. And I always want to encourage you to become a member, every member of Ridgecrest to be in a life group. We're, that's kind of where we're heading. I'm kind of putting, pointing the direction we're heading. And asking you not to come to that small group just because you want to have others to pray for you, but to come for mutual support. And notice that there's an outcome of this when we do this. I mean, it's very clear. It says in here that they were breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together. And what's the next phrase? With gladness and sincerity of heart. I I don't know about you, but the word gladness... It resonates with me. We live in a world that's depressed. We live in a world that is defeated. And here's a a clear word of encouragement. There's a pathway to gladness in the spiritual life. And it's not just hoping that you get glad, but it's getting involved and investing in relationships. It's getting involved in the worship at a corporate level. And when I say corporate, I mean all of us together in one city but also in small group setting. And it produces gladness. That word gladness is really not the word we use for glad in the English language. I don't know about you, but glad to me is like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of happy, but it, I'm not that moved by it. You know, uh, it, I, don't, I don't know what a good example is. It's not hot in here today, and I'm glad of it. That's, you know, I'm, I'm wearing my coat because of that. I'm glad it's not hot because I'm comfortable right now, but that's not like something that's that big a deal to me one way or the other. This word gladness means exceedingly glad, overflowing with joy. I mean, I think in, the, in our English use today, a better way to say this would be overwhelming joy is what they were experiencing. Exceedingly and, and regularly they were happy. That's what that word means in the original language. And it came out of small group relationships. And so it really begs the question, you know, are you living life in such a way that you're thinking about having relationships with other believers, where you can help them as well as getting help from them? You know, the typical thing is we come for help, but we really need to change that dynamic. And here's why. Because when you give in the Christian life, it's like exercising your body physically. And if you want to improve your spiritual health, the best thing you can do is give. It's, it is giving is spiritual exercise. It lowers your spiritual cholesterol, so to speak. Does that make sense? Because, believe it or not, exercise is good for your body, okay? So that's the first thing that y'all are looking at me like, exercise is good for you? Yeah, exercise is actually supposed to be good for you. When you give, that's why the Bible says, you know, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And that's why as a believer, when you do something and you're exercising your spiritual gift, it makes you feel good inside. Because you're getting spiritually healthy. Because you're doing something for others. So if you want to grow in Christ, again, there's a fundamental need not to be as selfish as we were in the past. And to be constantly trying to be more Christ-like. And so then again, it, 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 we have this gladness. Gladness is a, something that all of us want to have. And we get this gladness, but we also get what's called a sincerity of heart. This phrase, sincerity of heart, it's only placed in the whole New Testament. That word was used in the Greek. But it means they had a simple and sincere and real lifestyle. This is what kids called them, they kept it real. They were keeping it real. In other words, wherever they went, they were the same. And people saw this in them, that they were changed. And the, and the, the outcome that came out of this whole lifestyle of being in small groups and cultivating relationships in small groups was this praise. Verse 47, praising God. Praise flows out of spiritual healthiness. And the eighth test of spiritual healthiness, and this is where we're going to wrap up today, test number eight is you're experiencing God's presence and encouragement from His church, so your praise of God is not tied to circumstances. I want to
1: grow in this area.
0: I don't want to be a Christian who only praises God and only raises my hands when things are going well. And a mark of spiritual maturity and a mark of spiritual healthiness, both, is when we can learn to praise God regardless of our circumstances. And that's what was happening here. They were living out a difficult experience, but they were so encouraged by the relationships they had with believers and that they were overwhelmed by the sense of God's presence. And it produced a hard praise in them, so they didn't have to conjure it up. It wasn't emotional. It wasn't tied to music It wasn't tied to style of music. It wasn't tied to whether they liked the music or not. It wasn't even tied to music. It was just a lifestyle of praise that was uh, true regardless of the circumstances. And so that's where uh, we need to be asking God to help us to become people that are so gospel-centered, aware of what Christ has done for us, that we live with an overarching sense of praising God and knowing that He is there, an ever-present help in time of need. And that He's sovereign over us and He's working in our best self-interest and providing for us according to what's best for us as a Heavenly Father. You know what I found is the opposite. We think it's easier to praise God when we're um, being blessed. But it's been my experience that some of the, the most blessed Christians become people that are the least likely to be praising God because usually they're not at church. Because there's a lot of materially blessed Christians or maybe or that get where they don't really feel like they need God, because life is good. You know, sometimes when life is good, that's when we tend to forget how much we need God and things are. Cause when do you see people come into the church when they need prayer? And so the opposite is true. We have to guard against complacency. And again, I'm asking the Lord to help us get to spiritual health in our life. So that we can be a spiritually healthy church. And we, we need that. Want to. We need to have the presence of God in our life. Individually. And then as a body. We need to be cultivating these small groups. So we've kind of come to a point where we've got to decide. You know. Are we ready to make some changes? Hope is. I hope things change my life. is not a strategy. You've got to do something. I'm like the physician's assistant. The physician is the Holy Spirit. And he's telling us some things that we need to do. And we don't want to put guilt. He's not trying to guilt you. He's trying to say these are the things that will give you the ability to be healthier. And have gladness. And have the ability to praise God. And that's going to make you happy in life. It's all tied together. So I'm going to ask you to bow in prayer as we close. This is a time of decision for you. It's a time to listen to the voice of God. I just want to read these one more time to you. God has a plan for your life. And I just want to remind you that God's plan is for you to be restored to Him. Today, you might need to say, I've never truly surrendered to Christ. That's your first priority today. You have to be saved. You have to be born again. It's a decision. It's a decision. The Holy Spirit is offering you an invitation right now. So if you're here right now, it's a simple prayer. The gospel message, you've heard it several times today. Christ died for your sins. Christ rose from the dead. He's the Son of God. He has rights to your life as King and Creator. Will you bow to Him as Lord and receive forgiveness through His work on the cross to forgive your sins? Say, yes, Lord. Come into my life. I give you my life, Lord Jesus. I'll follow you. I'll follow you in baptism. I'll follow you in being a faithful church member. Save me, Lord Jesus. I give all of myself to you now. You need to make that decision and let me know about it. A Christian, if you're a believer, many of you have been. Christians for years maybe there's somebody in your maybe there's somebody here that's saying you know I'm really not that involved in a small group I've been trying to challenge you to see that it's not just about you it's about others around you that you can pour into and encourage so you can't say I don't need a small group because to be a Christian is to pour into others to be a disciple maker so you can't do that if it's all about you. So I just want to ask you right now. Maybe you need to say, I want to join one of these small groups. One of these life groups. I need to start coming because I can do that. It's in. I can come and pray for others. Maybe today there's somebody here that's been bitter toward God. And you just need to say, God, I want to ask your forgiveness for not being grateful for my salvation. Maybe somebody did something to hurt you. You need to forgive that person. You need to forgive as Christ has forgiven you of your sins. As the God the Father has forgiven you through the cross of Christ. You didn't deserve forgiveness. That's how you need to forgive others. And then you need to say, I want to grow in Christ. I want to come into the presence of God day by day. And glorify God. Praise you regardless of circumstances. When the Lord speaks to you today, don't harden your heart against them. Continue to seek the Lord about what He's saying to you and wanting you to grow in Christ. And I know that this is a, a sad time for our church, but we do rejoice that God is going to open up some doors for Brad and Ashley in the future. They're going to be exciting, and we know God's got a plan for them. And we wanted to give Brad plenty of time. But don't forget tonight, we're going to have special prayer time for Brad. We're going extended prayer time. We have more time this that's uh, happening at 5 o'clock. And then we'll have a great meal together. We'll be meeting uh, to, like they did in the first church to celebrate the Lord and what He's doing in our lives. So Brad, we're going to let you
3: have this time now to share your heart. Good morning, everybody. How are y'all? Good morning. So i for ask Brother David just for a few minutes just to share um, who you are and what you mean to me. And Tracy Taylor, be ready to come pick me up off the floor and <laughs> I'll I use it up here. Um... But I have three points. Um, you need enough sermons, I'm going to give you another one. Um, and like Brother Jim, always, my points all begin with the same letter. Uh, and so your three points today are fellow workers, family wealth, and an encouragement to finish well. In Romans 16, Paul writes, um, he's written this massive letter to the church of Rome. and This is the doctrine and theology of God that they've been teaching and going forth. And as he wraps up his letter, he writes, greetings to the people there. And and when we look at the Bible, when we think about the Bible, we think of, you know, we know the big names. We know the Peter and the Paul and Luke and Matthew and so forth. But most of the work done in churches is done by what Paul calls fellow workers. And men and women in the church who do all behind the scenes stuff. Men and women in the church who set up tables, who serve, who do this, who do that. In order for the gospel to go forth. And that is what it's about. And I have never seen as been a minister with y'all for the last eight years. I've never seen myself as that, but I've seen us as fellow workers. and that's what we are. We are fellow workers in the gospel. We are fellow workers for people, men, women and children, to come to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen. And it's been an honor to serve. It's been an honor to serve alongside you. Ministry is a team sport that we all know. Um, and um, and that, y'all, it has been great to be a part of your team. Uh, my... The second point is family wealth. Um, we have been fellow workers, but you are also my family. You always will be. You have loved and cared for my family like your own. You spoil my kids slap rotten. Um, <laughs> you are our church grandfathers and grandmothers. Our brothers and sisters, our aunts and uncles and our lifelong friends. And I am thankful for the people in this room who invested their time and their resources and their love to us. I'm thankful for the three pastors that I got to serve alongside here, for Brother Jim, for giving me a shot and trusting me, for always being and still being an encouragement to me. For Brother Albert, who was here for a while, for seeing in me there there was much more than I see in myself, and for Brother David. For giving me the opportunity to preach and lead and challenge me in my study of the words. And to you, church, my phone number hasn't changed. We still live down the street. We will mourn together, we will rejoice together. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And in the great words of Michael W. Smith, the friends are friends forever. The Lord is the Lord of them, right? And that's what we are. You know, if you need us, call us. And my encouragement to you is to finish well. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured opposition from sinners so you will not grow weary and lose heart. I mm-hmm. challenge to you as a church, individually and together, is to finish the race. Whether your race is only a couple years or you have 60 to 70 left, finish the race. Mm-hmm. Pursue Christ. Keep his, your eyes focused on him. Run and, and, and take off the sin that so easily entangles. Surrender that to him and pursue after him. Finish the race. Fight the fight. Keep the faith. If you don't know Him today, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, no matter if you've been a church member here for 50 years, or today's your first day, or whatever you are in between. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus gives the great sermon of chapters 5 through 7, and and towards the end, He says that there are two roads, and both have eternal significance. One road leads to life, and that's life eternally with God in heaven. But the other road leads to destruction and leads to death, That's a life apart from God. So the question, the last question I have is, what road are you on? What race are you running? Are you running the road towards God? Or you are you in pursuit of Him? You have surrendered your life to Him, and that is the race that you are running. And you're not trying to do it on your own strength, but you're doing it on His But are you running the race on your own? Are you trying to do it on your own strength? Are you trying to pursue, sometimes it it might be good things, but wealthy things or earthly things or whatever, and it's not a pursuit of Him. There are two roads, and I challenge you to choose the road that leads to life. And that is the life that is in Jesus Christ. And for you who live this life, you who have given your hearts to Christ, run the race. Continue to run the race. I had to write all these things down because if I, I would start rambling and stuff, but I have so many good memories here and so many godly people that in this room who have invested in me. This is a great church, great people, and I love you with all, every bone in my body. And so I'm going to pray for you, and then I'll, I'll be finished. God, we love you. God, we thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you, Father, for your spirit, God, that God, we pray, Father, for someone in this room who doesn't know you, God, that today... Now it may seem a weird day, or just this isn't what church is normally like, whatever. Today, you are calling them to you, God. You are drawing them to you. Yeah, I thank you for the men and women in this room, who, God, who have invested in me, invested in my family. God, that you continue to bless them. God, bless this church. God, in their days ahead. God, Amen. God, bless brother David, father, and his ministry here. And Lord, we just love you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Brad and Ashley are going to be outside, I hope Ashley can come, and uh, she was going to try to meet uh, up out here, so um, as you leave, obviously we're trying to encourage you to come back tonight and eat with us and, and have time tonight to say goodbye to Brad and Ashley, and, and, and just thank you really, it's because like Brad said, they're not really leaving, but uh, so we can still think it's be part of our lives, but we want to say thank you for sure and honor them for their hard work. And, but if you can't come back, I think they were willing to stand out here. So let's just kind of say a, a word of encouragement for them as they leave. And I think, Garth, are you closing this car? Okay, so Garth, you come on up. I want to thank you for coming today. I want to encourage you to come back tonight. Uh, a lot of hard work's already going into to making this happen. So come out and support the, uh, the Hamiltons and love on them tonight. I want to ask you to stand and get ready to be dismissed. And just uh, thank you so much for being here today. I love you. Thank you for the privilege to be your pastor. This is our youth pastor or our guest here, Garth Lee. And uh, appreciate you not wearing your uh, parrot mascot uniform up here today or something like that. I think the the VBS. But Garth's going to close us. Garth said that Brad's had a, a big impact on his life. So I think it's a good testimony to Brad's uh, role
4: model for, for Garth and how was really appropriate. You close us in a word prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just want to thank You for this wonderful day, Lord. Lord, we just want to thank You for all that You are. All the love, all the mercy, all the grace that You give us on a daily basis, Lord, when we just don't deserve it. Lord, I just pray for Brad and Ashley's life. Lord, that You just guide them, that You just show them the way, whatever their next step is. Lord, that they just trust and believe and follow You in whatever it is, Lord. Lord, we just thank You so much for them and the blessing that they put in this church and in, in our lives in each and every one of our lives, Lord. Lord, I just want to thank You for this church, for all that means to me and all it means to each and every one of us, Lord, that we just praise Your holy name. We just praise you with all that we have, Lord, that when we exit these doors, that we're not just living for the church, but we're living for you, that we're shining your light, that we're giving all that we have back to you, Lord, because you're worthy of everything that we have. Every breath that we breathe, every action we do should be to glorify you when we're at work, when we're at school. Whatever we're doing is to glorify your holy name and your holy name alone. Lord, I pray that, Lord, there's one here that doesn't know you. Lord, start pricking their hearts. Start knocking down the walls that they have built around their heart. And Lord, I pray that they just come to start to know You. Come to start to accept You, Lord. Because Lord, without You we are nothing. But Lord, I pray that we just give our lives our everything to You because You're worthy of all that we have. Lord, bless this church. Lord, we need You now more than ever with this world the way it is. Lord, we just call upon Your name to help us heal us, and to guide us through all that's going on. Lord, forgive us when we fail you so many times. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.